Hello, good morning. Welcome to Join News Desk. We're coming to you live from our studios in Kokomlimlimu on DGT because we're free to wear on DSTV Channel 421 and Go TV Channel 125. This morning, National Health Insurance Authority sets up committee to review and assess whether the NHIS can absorb the cost of dialysis after JFM's dialysis crisis series. Details as a Kolebutichin Hospital renal unit says it is suffocating under a 4 million Ghana cities debt. A CEO says the facility will also need 961,000 Ghana cities monthly. Meanwhile, a 32-year-old kidney patient is asking for help to pay her medical bills. We have details shortly. And on economic issues, we will be taking you to the Ministry of Finance where the Finance Minister will be addressing a news conference. Plus, we'll bring you the latest from the ongoing National Science and Maths Quiz. All of this plus business coming up shortly. Thirty-two-year-old Oneida Salam was supposed to be discharged over a month ago at the Upper West Regional Hospital, where she was admitted to the medical ward. She was diagnosed to have kidney disease, prompting medical doctors to refer her to the dialysis centre for treatment and later to be discharged due to her unpaid bills, which are pegged around five thousand eight hundred Ghana cedis at the time. Obeida is unable to leave the hospital and has piled up additional. 4,200 Ghana in the last handful of weeks for dialysis. Join News is of a West Regional Correspondent, Rafik Salam, who visited the dialysis centre, reports her bills have now risen to a little over 10,000 cities, and she's calling on government and benevolent organisations to come to her aid for her to offset her bills to enable her to go home. In charge of the dialysis centre of the Upper West Regional Hospital, Kusa Daniel, remove the veil on the myths surrounding dialysis. Especially within our community here, people think like when you are having kidney problem and you are supposed to do dialysis, it's a death warrant. But it is not so. So we are doing our best to actually dismystify that uh, perception that the public holds. The dialysis center of the Upper West Regional Hospital was established in November 2022 and has since attended to by dozens of patients. One of them is state two-year-old Ubede Salam. She cannot exactly state when she had a kidney disease that requires dialysis except to list the symptoms that force her to come to the hospital for a medical examination. I had swollen legs, bloated stomach, puffy face, and high blood pressure. I have never been to the hospital without the doctors telling me I have high blood. The mother of three every week comes to the dialysis center twice for treatment. She is required to pay at least 450 Ghana cities for each session. An amount that he struggles to pay, considering the petty business that he's in selling soft drinks and seche water, carrying them overhead. Her husband is a massacre man, but better hard work 
that can take care of the family, let alone paying for dialysis. It is difficult for us to pay for the dialysis. Sometimes we owe them, and anytime we get the money, we pay back. Our being here is being taken care of by our blood relations. We are very poor. My husband cannot afford the 450 Ghana cities. Without the support of my family, I would have been dead by now. Ubede was supposed to be discharged by the hospital a month ago so that she could come into the center for the dialysis. She's out of unable because she cannot offset her medical bills. Her medical bills at the hospital is a little over 10,000 Ghana cities, including the dialysis, which has defaulted payment of 4,200 Ghana cities. Because of the cost involved, so especially this woman, she's supposed to have gone home. I think last month, last two months, and be coming for dialysis. But because of cost, they can't even upset the hospital bill at the board level. So they are forced to be here and be coming for the dialysis until they pay the bill of them. So for her like this, it's the cost that is keeping her. If not, she would have been home and be coming for dialysis. Unemployed middle age, Mariam Yahya is a mother-in-law of Obeda. She says they are at their wit ends and seem to exhaust all channels to enable them for the medical bills. We have nowhere to go for money again, and yet our bills are piling up. It is because we are unable to offset our bills. That is why we are still here. Our people have helped us a lot. Can we continue to go to them? Ubeda appeals to the government to consider adding dialysis to the list of medication on the National Health Insurance Scheme. Government should take a second look at our plight and include dialysis on NHIS. Medical Director of the Upper West Region Hospital, Dr. Robert Amesia, however, wants a conversation of prevention of kidney diseases. I think prevention is always better than cure. People are selling all manner of concoctions that people consume. Some are very toxic to the kidneys. What about that? So it's emotional to have people who are suffering that are struggling to get help. But how do we prevent people from getting to do that state? Because if we don't prevent, we thought we didn't have enough patients who would have been requiring dialysis until we started our center. And we realized that even the three machines that we have are not adequate. It means that what we are even seeing is a tip of the iceberg. So this issue of affordability, we need to resituate it well. If everything is provided and you are able to do it for free, why not? For now, patients undergoing dialysis at the hospital can only be grateful to the hospital for having such a facility which their survival hinges on. They are a person on the government to in the future be able to work through the jigsaw puzzle to make the financing of dialysis treatment free in the country. Reporting for Joy News, Rafik Salam. Wow.
Well, speakers during the Joint News Thought Leadership event held in our studios yesterday, uh, Presidential Advice on Health, Dr. Anthony Siasari, revealed that National Health Insurance Authority has set up a committee to review and assess whether the NHIS can absorb the cost of dialysis. And that was corroborated by Director of Corporate Affairs at the National Health Insurance Authority, Oswald Mensah, at the same event that brought together all stakeholders. Dr. Antonin Siasari also revealed the process to make kidney transplant available in Ghana is underway with a document being reviewed for a law to harvest, store, and donate organs. This is a report put together by Maxwell Agbaba. I'm very angry. I am very angry. I'm more angry at this morning. People are dying each day. The dialysis machine in Voice of activist Nasiba Bauer at a protest demanding a reduction in the cost of dialysis treatment after the Kolibu teaching hospital increased the cost from 380 CDs to 765 Ghana CDs. The amount has since been reversed. It triggered the dialysis crisis series on Joy News highlighting the plight of 54-year-old Georgina Pia who couldn't afford the cost of dialysis. 15-year-old Priscilla Sante, who died some hours after she was featured in the series, pleading for assistance with her dialysis treatment. Some patients with kidney failure held a press conference and said 14 of their members have died between May and September after the Kolibu Teaching Hospital limited its dialysis treatment to just emergency cases. The hospital said it had run out of consumables. The renal patients who said they were being sponsored were now compelled to pay for dialysis treatment in other facilities. Speaking during the stakeholders' event held in the studios of Joy, Chief Executive Officer of the Kolibu Teaching Hospital, Dr. Pukuwari Ampoma, said the decision was taken because the Kolibu Teaching Hospital Rena unit is suffocating under a 4 million Ghana cedis debt. He's unsure when the services will be made available to outpatients. He says the facility will also need 961,000 Ghana cities monthly to keep the cost of dialysis at 380 Ghana cities. We are now engaged with government, with the ministry, with other stakeholders to see how quickly we can you know, find the resources to advance. Because at the moment we are sitting in a 4 million uh, city hall. If we are to operate at uh, our uh, current capacity, which is about 2,000 uh, dialysis sessions every month, then it means that we are going to accumulate about 961,000 cities of debt every month, uh, you know, in addition to the 4 million cities that we have already. So this is financially unsustainable. You can't tell when exactly the OPD will be opened. Yes, exactly. You can't tell. I can't, yes. Okay. Um, and so it's four million, we have a 4 million deficit. Deficit. Okay. And then if you are to run at full capacity, okay. we will need about 961,000 cities a subsidy every month to be able to maintain the current prices. Presidential advisor on health, Dr. Antonin Siansari, says steps have been taken to settle the debt. We are waiting for what they are supposed to bring and then to be worked on as quickly as possible. The money is provided, is supposed to be provided by the Ministry of Finance, isn't it? Yes. yes. Okay. So Dr. Ampuma has to put everything that he is doing, that he has been asked to do, as quickly as possible in place. If I were him, I will use 24 hours to put everything in place. We've and present it. This. Yeah, so they'll present have, it. You've already presented and, uh, no, you, free, free, free to talk because yeah, this, is, this told, is direct. This I've told him what to do. Yeah. And then quickly, 
I'm sure I know what normally such things are very dear to the heart of the authorities. And it will be done. Kidney failure patient Kojo Bafwa in crisis. Most of his colleagues feel they are a burden on society with friends deliberately not answering their calls. Now we are becoming a burden to the society. You pick a phone, you pick a phone, you want to call your friend. He knows you are coming to ask for money, so you will not even pick. Wow. You pick a phone, maybe you want even to say hello, maybe there's an information you are trying to ask him, he will not even answer it. Later on, he will call back and say, oh, child, I saw your call, now this somewhere. It's not true, because he knew you are coming to ask money. And it's true. When you call the person, it's money. President of the Ghana Kidney Association, Professor Samson Inchi, says all children with end-stage kidney in Ghana die. He says immediate dialogue and action is needed to make dialysis accessible and affordable to all. When it comes to children, it's pathetic because um, we don't have any facility for children. And uh, where I practice for all these years, any child who gets to the end stage kidney disease dies. And the number is quite huge. But there are many more who also pass in our health facilities, all the children die, and many adults can also initiate it. So the single problem has been the cost of treating kidney failure. It is so expensive that we should not allow people to pay out of their pockets. What we see um, in Confanoche, uh, take note of this statistics, it's quite a, 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 a startling statistics. We see every year, between 25 to 40 children who come with end-stage kidney disease and they will all die because, of course, we don't even talk about initiating chronic dialysis. Former General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association, Dr. Titus Bayou, wants dialysis treatment to be made free. If we are looking at it, I think ultimately dialysis must be free. Mm. And we have to have a funding mechanism. My other submission on this is that if you look at the kidney situation we are discussing, the prevalence of chronic kidney disease, about 17% in Ghana, means that this condition is even more prevalent than HIV. Has it gotten the needed attention like HIV? So we need perhaps a separate entity, maybe a National Kidney Health Authority or a chronic, chronic um, diseases or non-communicable diseases authority to engage in surveillance for these conditions, proper research on the etiology. Director of Corporate Affairs at the National Health Insurance Authority, Oswald Mensah, says the NHIE has set up a committee to review and assess whether the NHIS can absorb the cost of dialysis after Joy FM's dialysis crisis series. As it stands today, there's conversations. Um, and this has started, of course, based on your um, documentary. Um, even at the NHI level, the board is discussing, um, there's a committee that has been set up to have these conversations about dialysis, its implications, um, if NHI can do anything about it, and most importantly, make recommendations for the policymakers. And I'm happy Senior says there's a lot happening in that space. The Ministry of Health drives policy in our landscape. So whatever recommendations that the board will come up with will be passed on to the ministry and the policymakers for a direction on where and did you say that a committee has now been set up to review and consider whether you can afford to uh, take the dialysis cost is that what it is yes okay. before NHIA can take on any disease condition we must do 
actual studies. In Presidential Advice on Health, Dr. Antonin Siasari revealed the process to make kidney transplant available in Ghana is underway with a document being reviewed for a law on the harvesting, storage and donation of organs. There's a document which is being reviewed so that we have a law. It's very, very important. It has to go through cabinet for cabinet approval and then move to parliament for parliamentary uh, approval and uh, the president will assent to it so that we can harvest the organ, we can uh, store the organ, and also donate the organ. It's not only for kidney, because even for the in vitro fertilization that they are doing, it's a tissue. Skin from other person to another person, it's a tissue. So all these things should be backed by law. And that is what is going on. And as I said, I'm very key, he's very key, everybody is key. The Ghana Kidney Association, the Ghana... Mm. Ophthalmological Association, and then even the Plastic Surgery Association and the IVF team are all on us, and some of us have taken up as our, because I'm a doctor, mm. first and foremost, that this thing should be done, and done as quickly as possible. And then, as he rightly, as the Dr. Ampman said also, we are building the capacity of our surgeons. Actually, kidney transplant is one of the most not so complicated things that we can do, as any surgeon can do. And we know that uh, there's also a urology unit which is almost completed at Kolebu. It will be part of the place where we can have also renal transplant done and to train our uh, doctors and our nurses and all the health workers to go into that type of field. We are working on that. I know that there's a document which is, which is being uh, looked at at the moment. We can now hear from pharmacists and CDD fellow in health, Kwame Asiedu Sapo, and other stakeholders who also brought their expertise to bear in this thought leader. Cerebral palsy is a group of disorders impacting movement and posture that deserves recognition not only for its prevalence but also for the resilience and achievements of those living with it and the people working to make life easier for them. As part of observation of the day, Joanne Nisa's Upper East correspondent Albert Story tells the story of the Cerebral Palsy Centre set up by Africates Ghana to help make life easier for children who have the condition and their parents. Many years ago, Mba Ayamga here worked as a soothsayer. Part of his job was to use divinations to tell whether a child born with deformities was a spirit or not. If such a child was found to be a spirit child, Ayamga would tell the parents what to do with him or her. He had several other colleagues who did a similar job in many different parts of the Upper East region. It is known that such children were often administered concoctions that would kill them if they were spirits. And if they were not, they survived after being forced fed with a concoction. But a lot of times, the infants died because studies later showed that the concoctions were poisonous 
and could kill even adults. I am says his own divinations never involved killing the children or administering any potions to them. Rather, a ritual was performed at his shrine in the hope that these infants would be exorcised of the spirits and their deformities reversed. <laughs> I never give them anything to drink. The requirement here in my shrine was for sacrifices to be made. So, some chickens, a goat, food, and drinks will be provided for the rituals. We all eat the food and peace returns to the home. The truth is, these children are never spirits to begin with. They are just children born with cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy encompasses a number of disorders that affect a person's ability to move and maintain balance or posture. This has to do with the brain and it is common in children. No spiritual ritual can reverse the condition. There is no cure for it. But treatment can help improve the lives of affected persons, especially if the treat. We can now go to the finance ministry where there is a joint press conference to be addressed by the finance minister and the governor of the Bank of Ghana plus some officials from the IMF. Uh, we have reached a staff level agreement on the first review of the program. Yeah. Let me add that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me add that the agreement is, is subject to the approval of... Uh, IMF management and our executive board once the necessary financing assurances have been received. An agreement with official creditors on the debt treatment uh, in line with program parameters would provide these, these needed financing assurances. Once, the, once our executive board uh, review is completed, Ghana would have access to um, another $600 million bringing the total uh, IMF financial support disbursed under the, the arrangement since uh, May, when the program was approved, to about $1.2 billion. Bef before you hear from the Honorable Minister, the Governor, and, and we take your questions, allow me to, to provide a brief overview of uh, our assessment at the current juncture. First, our assessment is that performance under the program has been very strong and consistent with the authorities' commitments. Specifically, the authorities have uh, adjusted the course of uh, policy making to, con to confront very difficult economic and financial conditions and to ensure a brighter future for all Ghanaians. On the fiscal front, more specifically, the government has adjusted the policy stance to bring about a reduction in deficits and restore the sustainability of public finances. This started with a bold 2023 budget that sought to increase revenues and, and reduce expenditure. Our assessment is that fiscal performance has been strong and Ghana is on track to lower the fiscal primary deficit on a commitment basis by about four percentage points of GDP this year. So in line with the, with the program objectives. 
The government has met its non-oil revenue mobilization target uh, at end June, the target under the, the, the program. It has also kept spending within the program limits. Importantly, the authorities have uh, significantly expanded social protection programs to help mitigate the impact of the crisis and, uh, and fiscal adjustment on the most uh, vulnerable. And the government is committed to provide more support in the context of the upcoming budget. The government has also made progress uh, in its uh, debt restructuring strategy, so an, another big plank underpinning the, the fund-supported program. Um, and in particular, the government successfully completed its domestic debt restructuring over the summer. Monetary policy has been appropriately tightened. Wide-ranging reforms are being implemented to bolster domestic revenues, improve spending efficiency, strengthen public financial management, strengthen debt management, enhance transparency, and tackle financial challenges in the energy and, and, and cocoa sector. The authorities' economic uh, reforms also include measures to ensure financial stability and also to make the environment more conducive to, to private sector investment and job creation. Now, all not all the challenges are going to, solve over, to be solved overnight, but, but, and there is still a lot of work uh, ahead. But what makes us very optimistic is that these actions are already generating positive results. Growth in 2023 has proven more resilient than what we were initially envisaging. Inflation has declined. The fiscal and external positions have improved. International reserves are increasing again. And exchange rate volatility has significantly reduced. Let me stop here. Uh, I'll be happy to take questions. Uh, but but uh, before I turn to the Honorable Minister, I would like to thank him and Bank of Ghana Governor Addison and their teams, as well as representatives from various government agencies and as well as non-governmental stakeholders we have met over the course of, uh, of the mission, I mean, frankly, over the past uh, year for, for very open and, and, and constructive engagement. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan, and uh, that is a view of the fund uh, at the end of the first review. I'm sure our colleagues will have some uh, questions uh, later to interrogate some of the uh, you know, points that you have made. But I want to go to the governor, uh, Dr. Ernest Addison, uh, for some remarks. Before I come to you, Ken. Uh, governor. Okay. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister of Information, uh, Honorable Finance Minister, Ken Ufurieta, the IMF Mission Chief, Stefan Roudet, uh, Distinguished Directors of the Ministry of Finance and the Bank of Ghana, members of the media, ladies and gentlemen. Let me first th start by thanking the entire IMF team for the constructive engagement during the past two weeks on all issues bordering on fiscal policy, monetary policy, and structural reforms. Indeed, it has been a very comprehensive and collaborative work between the government side and the IMF. And this has made the two-week mission very successful and fruitful, leading to the staff-level agreement today. We have all established that the very decisive measures put in place by the government and the Bank of Ghana have started yielding results signaling a faster-than-expected turnaround, which needs to be sustained as we reset the economy. More specifically, non-food inflation 
has dropped significantly by 19 percentage points. Food inflation has also come down by about 8 percentage points. Core inflation, which measures underlying inflation, is also decelerating at a fast pace. From the beginning of the year to date, the Bank of Ghana has built reserves of about 650 million U.S. dollars instead of the programmed drawdown of 98 million U.S. dollars. And this has been boosted by the innovative Gold for Reserves program. And as a result, we have seen relative stability in the exchange rate, depreciating by only 2.5% between February and now. It is therefore very important to sustain this strong performance and consolidate the gains we are seeing. Looking ahead, the Bank of Ghana will continue to maintain a tight monetary policy stance until it is confident that inflation is firmly anchored and aligned with the disinflation path agreed in the program. There would be challenges and difficulties as we work towards these, sustaining these gains. But we remain focused and committed to the reforms and prudent policies to ensure the full benefits of this program are achieved. I thank you very much. Um, Governor, thank you for the uh, remarks. And now I would move to the Honorable Minister responsible for Finance, the Honorable Ken Ofori Atta. Thank you very much, Kojo, and um, really good morning um, to you all. Kojo, thanks for, for being here with us. Um, Governor and the deputies, great Stefan and the team, uh, thank you very much. And um, certainly, if I have my own um, powers, I'll ask us to clap for the technical staff of the bank and the the ministry and the team. Yeah. So, so, ladies and gentlemen of the media, um, and really also to thank you for uh, for honouring um, this invitation. Uh, the program, as you know, um, started on 17th May 2023 um, and approved then a 36-month IMF program under the ECF, which was $3 billion. Um, and really to also thank um, um, the fund staff, uh, Bank of Ghana, uh, for negotiating um, sort of three times um, our quota when you look at a country like Egypt, also at $3 billion of a much bigger GDP, and t Tunisia at about one point something. You realize the extent to which the fund staff worked um, to give us this very needed um, space. Uh, and also um, the negotiations which ended up uh, were front-loading um, such that, God willing, by November we actually would then have released 1.2 billion of the 3 billion uh, effective in that. So um, truly um, a lot of work has gone into this to give Ghana um, the opportunity to stabilize uh, much faster. Um, and this all hinged on um, the fact that Cabinet moved us very quickly uh, to prepare um, the PCPEC program, which then 
you know, underpinned the work that the fund also uh, had to do. Um, so uh, I'm pleased to announce that the progress that we sought to achieve is very, very much on course. Uh, the stability that the Ghana economy was very much in need of um, has been achieved. We said we have turned the corner. Um, and the major economic indicators such as inflation, um, as Governor mentioned, the uh, exchange rate continues to drop and stabilize, and there's confidence returning um, in, in the economy. Um, I'm happy to confirm um, that Ghana has just completed um, its first review um, of the IMF program, um, as Stefan um, has announced. Um, the first review you know, had key deliverables, um, including um, the six performance um, criteria, the three indicative targets, and the three structural benchmarks um, that were due at the end of June 2023. So you can imagine um, the work and the anxiety and the speed um, with which people uh, have worked, uh, even as we also try to manage demonstrations in the middle of that. But we are all good and we are in good order. Um, so assessment um, of the progress um, um, at meeting program targets also due by end um, September 2023 and end December 2023 uh, and discussions on the policy framework uh, for 2024. Um, so while we await um, um, the fund staff to present the full assessment um, of the targets, uh, I think uh, we are now in a very strong position um, to look ahead into the future and give all stakeholders um, the confidence that is needed um, to support the country. Um, so that's the backdrop, uh, but in all of this, um, as you know, uh, we really want to give um, gratitude um, to the Almighty God for providing uh, the needed guidance to both the government, the fund staff, um, and all of us um, to be here um, today. And we are very, very appreciative um, of what the Lord is doing for us uh, in our economy as a country, and we believe he will perfect it um, to his logical um, conclusion. Uh, let me also um, thank um, His Excellency the President for his continued leadership and direction um, through this period and also the Vice President. And this is not really hackneyed. Um, cabinet has had to meet uh, out of turn. We've had to have uh, various EMT meetings. Um, and so their engagement has been very important and a commitment um, to make sure um, that uh, the President himself uh, is driving it with the energy that is required um, in the circumstance. Uh, and we can't take it for granted because we do um, have a clear view of what's happened in Chad or Zambia or Sri Lanka, uh, uh, Egypt, Tunisia, uh, and we know that something different um, is happening here. Uh, and therefore the leadership of all of these people we've mentioned are important. Um, expressing our appreciation um, to the IMF in general, and particularly also um, to the Managing Director, Kristalina, um, Stephen Roder, IMF Mission Chief to Ghana, uh, and his team um, for their continued commitment um, to Ghana as we work to navigate our temporary 
um, crisis. Um, I also have the um, really would like to thank um, um, the sector ministers and staff of the MMDAs, the CSO financial sector, and the private sector players whose consultation during this process succeeded in reaching this positive outcome. Uh, and for me here, um, I'll say my, my Linus blankets of um, Minister Amin and um, um, Deputy Minister Abina and um, Deputy Minister John. Um, and it's uh, beyond the work they do, um, it's also they being parliamentarians. And if I feel I'm overwhelmed, I wonder how they manage <laughs> to do both. And uh, so sincere thanks um, uh, for that support, the sacrifice and the hard work um, that has been shown um, at, at the ministry. Um, so a lot of hard work indeed has gone into it, and it's a really significant uh, milestone. Um, I believe we, we might be, sort of in recent times, uh, the fastest um, to get to this first review in five months. And um, uh, as we steadily make progress toward the approval of the first review, there's still some work to be done um, through November, and um, I'm sure uh, we'll rise up um, to that occasion. Um, but we have also, you know, beyond um, the quantitative performance, etc. are truly anchored and are indexed um, to make sure um, that um, the lot um, does not um, get worse. Um, and we also have agreed to uh, increase this to about two and a half million people, um, in short order, moving from 350,000 households to 450,000 households um, going forward. So a strategy on reviewing the EMAC funds, uh, we have that in the medium-term revenue strategy, uh, performance for non-oil, uh, Stefan mentioned, have been impressive um, this first half of the year, and we should continue with that. We also have an affirmative action bill, uh, social protection bill, EPA bill, all approved, um, so that the empowerment of women and protecting the poor and vulnerable will be front and center. Um, to the work uh, that we are doing. So it's important to note, though, that the SLA is only one aspect uh, of the approval process. Um, we have a few milestones to cross to secure uh, board approval between now and November. Uh, notably, of course, is agreement and a an, uh, memorandum of understanding uh, that we need to secure with the official creditor committee, uh, the Paris Club. Uh, we are optimistic that once again, our bilateral creditors will deliver the MOU in time for our board in November as we continue our engagements, which will continue to be positive. Um, so let me also take the opportunity to thank um, the OCC uh, for delivering the financial assurances in May, uh, which has brought us this far. Uh, we also are making progress in our engagements uh, with the eurobond holders and commercial lenders, and we hope um, to uh, pursue this 
uh, in our trip to Marrakesh um, for the World Bank annual meetings. Um, and hopefully, uh, by year end, uh, we should be able to secure that. Um, so generally, the macroeconomic environment continues to show strong signs of stability and recovery as government implements the IMF-supported PCPEC program. Uh, based on available data from year to date, GDP growth has rebounded strongly, averaging 3.2% the first two quarters, uh, compared to 3% the same period in 2002, in 2022, mainly on the back of growth in services and in agriculture. The average growth of 3.2% for quarter one and quarter two is higher um, than the 2023 revised growth target of 1.5%, um, so we are doing well. Um, the latest price development in August 2023 also indicated a fall in headline inflation after consecutive upward trends since May 2023, and it dropped to 40.1%. Um, and as the governor mentioned, um, we are um, looking very strongly at this to ensure um, that food prices um, come down. Um, the Ghana city has remained um, uh, relatively stable from the beginning of the year to date, um, depreciating cumulatively by 23.5% um, over that period. Uh, but that really is essentially a huge jump in January, and basically since February to date, about 2.5%, creating the type of stability that is required um, for businesses and, and for confidence to be built up. Um, so the depression over this period, uh, February to now, is only 3.1%. Um, uh, on the fiscal front, the primary balance on commitment basis for half year 2023 was a surplus of about $2 billion compared to a target of $4 billion driven in part by strong non-oil domestic revenues and rationalized spending. Um, non-oil public revenue for the period was $50.1 billion compared to program target of $49.8 billion. Um, the MPC, of course, um, governor maintained the 30% and um, international crude prices, you know, had its own effect. Um, adjustment for utility tariffs remain a risk um, that we are going to maintain. Um, and as you know, um, we spent considerable amounts um, on the IPPs, uh, but to ensure um, that energy is not a problem, the lights have been kept on and there are no queues. Um, gross international reserves continue to be built up, as the governor has mentioned. Uh, on the debt restructuring front, uh, we successfully concluded the remaining three crucial debt exchanges, marking the completion of the comprehensive Ghana domestic debt exchange program. And let me reiterate, uh, marking the completion of the Ghana Domestic Debt Exchange Program. Um, I think we've done extremely well. The three concluded debt exchanges uh, included the U.S. denominated local bonds of 742 million U.S. dollars. Participation rate was 91.7%. Um, the cocoa bills, 7.7 billion, or participation rate was 97.4%. And of course, the pension funds um, holdings of treasury bonds of 29.6 billion with a participation rate of 95.3%. And really would like to thank um, Labour 
um, uh, and the trustees um, for um, very cordial uh, relationship to get to a good end. Uh, we also, as you know, on August 22nd settled some 2.5 billion um, of coupon payments, the largest in our history. An additional 2 billion was also paid to the pension trustees and 274 million on Esland Dachi on 5th September 2023. Looking forward to be ready uh, in February next year um, for the second payment. Um, as I mentioned, paid almost half a billion dollars uh, to IPPs and fuel suppliers and our support from the Ministry of Finance to keep our lights on. So notwithstanding all of these um, uncertainties around the global economic recovery, uh, we are confident uh, that we are on the right path and therefore optimistic um, about the future. Uh, already the economy is responding positively, strongly um, to the news um, of the GOG and IMF reaching an SLA agreement for the first review and we are eager to leverage this momentum um, to the very moment when the fund um, and executive board approves the first review uh, in uh, November. We are also grateful to the IMF, the World Bank, the FDB, other multilateral lenders, all our bilateral partners, and the good people of Ghana for their support as we make um, steady and strong progress um, out of this um, temporary difficulty, and through which many countries around the world are also working um, their way forward. But I think a, a distinct um, part of, of the Ghana um, program um, is whether we can continue uh, as a nation um, to speak one language. Because it is clear uh, that when we work um, together, uh, there's nothing that we imagine that will not be possible. And that's really the encouragement that I have. Uh, this is a moment in our history uh, where we must strive to do what is good um, for each other, um, and we are confident that we will get there. Um, so, um, new things are being done. Even in this difficult wilderness, uh, we can see uh, that our rains, our rivers are doing well, and that the palms that we have would also thrive. Um, so we are confident um, that um, we will work this through together uh, as one people, restore our macroeconomic stability, and promote robust and inclusive growth. Uh, we have done it before, uh, we can do it again, and really what the Lord has started, I think he would perfect, as in Philippines 1.6. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Honourable Minister, uh, thank you for your remarks. Colleagues, I'm going to come to you for some questions just to uh, put our conversation in perspective. Uh, between the fund and the finance ministry about two sets of issues, and I'm reading from the fund's statement, part of which um, were also amplified by Stefan. One says that there's been strong policy and reform commitment under the program, and it is bearing fruit. Two, that the signs of economic stabilization are emerging. Uh, three, that the growth already happening in 2023 is proving more resilient than initially envisaged. Um, and four, that the fiscal and external positions have improved. 
also makes a fifth point that uh, there is exchange rate stability that you are um, observing uh, there. You find a lot of them in the minister's um, uh, submissions as well. And then minister also outlines the fact that the criteria that was set out for this first review, uh, we have performed on that criteria very, very strongly. Net international reserves, primary balance, the ceiling on non-concessional borrowing, zero central bank financing and zero collateralization, as well as the indicative targets, non-oil public revenue, social protection spending, and non-accumulation of payables on net basis. And then the structural benchmarks, we're also doing very well there. Uh, and in addition to that, the cocoa board turnaround um, strategy. Governor also <clears throat> mentions that uh, while food inflation, etc., may be coming down, the bank has also got their eye on uh, their inflation targeting and if they have to uh, continue with very you know, tight policies to, to help out, they won't be afraid um, to do so. It's in this context that we are going to take our questions um, on these matters that we have uh, discussed. So uh, please give me a wave. I'll send a microphone to you. Just introduce yourself, and then I'll take your questions on the matters that we've been discussing. Um, one, two, so Oye, George, um, three, four. So we have our first four. Oye, George, um, number three, and then number four. Duke, is that you? Okay. Thank you very much. My name is Nano Yanka. I work with Asasi Radio. Uh, Honorable Minister, with the indicatives that you have presented, looking positive, as well as the mission chief, um, can you please give us in plain or simple terms how Ghanaians have benefited from the first tranche that came in? And then if you can also um, give us some key sectors that the second tranche, if approved, will, be, um, will, go with, will the second tranche go into. Then my second question is to the mission chief. With the indicators that you have presented, are you going to review, is the fund going to review the Ghana's growth rate from the current 1.5%? Thank you. My name is uh, George Rafi from Joy FM, uh, Joy News. My first question is to the mission chief. In your first visit, you spoke about seeing signs of recovery. Do I get from you now that it has been elevated to signs of stability? Because there were, there were concerns about whether indeed there are signs of recovery or not. And when it comes to the fund, what are some of the basic benchmarks that you look and review in the economy when indeed it's recovering or it's stabilizing. If you can help me out, I'll be grateful. Again, embarking on the fiscal consolidation program comes with its own shocks. Apart from the LEAP program, what other things are you impressing on government to minimize the expected shocks that this program will come with? There is review of tariffs, there have been complaints, there have been concerns about road projects delayed and all the rest. It has impact on the society. LEAP might be just a minute section of the society. What else are you advising government to do to ensure that this progress that we are making, whilst we are 
seeing growth. There are some who make an argument about jobless growth. What is being done in that space? Also to the Minister of Finance as well, I want to find out from you what progress are we making in terms of the engagement to the external creditors? Are we making some significant progress? Some will say that going into an election year will be our biggest test. Having a fund program and an election year. What sort of assurance are you giving to us in terms of still being put into the expenditure value for money going into an election year? Thank you. Thank you. My name is Duke Mentsonpoku. I work with TV3. Um, my first... Yes, okay, thank you. Question to the mission chief. Um, Ghana is not the only country in, in Africa currently and uh, going an IMF program. If, if you do have the figures and you, you have the information, kindly share with us how favorably we are doing in comparison to other comparative African nations that are going through an IMF program. And then second, secondly, to, to, to the minister, taking off from where George left off in relation to the, our external creditors, from what the mission chief has said and from what we've read, it looks like a very key benchmark. Do we have a firm plan in place to reach that MOU with our external creditors? And will this have any impact on our economy? We've seen the impact of the DDEP and all the concerns. This benchmark that we have to meet in relation to external creditors, do we have a firm plan and what likely impact would it have on our economy? Thank you. Hello. I'm Maxwell Adumbile Reuters. A quick one on the, the issue of external creditors. I, I want to be clear, is there a condition precedent to the approval, the final approval by the executive board? Do we need to get an MOU with bilateral creditors for the executive board to be able to approve this review? Is that the same with the Euro bond holders? If not, what is the arrangement? And if we require that, is this similar to what is happening with Zambia? Then the issue of uh, Afrexim loan and then the cut-off dates with the euro bond holders, what is the status now? What is the agreement? What is the funds thinking about Afrexim's loan? And then on the DSA... Can you take the Afrexim question again? Are we going to add Afrexim to the debt treatment process or not? Which of the... Um, um, the 750 that we took last year. Okay. $750 million. Okay. Okay. On the issue of DSA, as you've said, both sides have said, the situation has changed uh, significantly. Uh, exchange rate has improved. Inflation has improved. These have an impact on the debt that we are using to discuss with both external, I mean, the uh, um, the OCC and then the Eurobond holders. Are we likely to see a revision of the DSA to capture the current situation? Thank you. Thank you very much. So, um, Stefan, you're very popular in Ghana now. There are some of the questions that come to you. I, I, I don't think I have to go over them. So maybe you take it and then I'll go to Minister. Thank you, Minister, and uh, thank you, everyone. So I, I'll... I'll take a few of these uh, questions. Um, I think there was a, a question, first of all, about the, the growth rate. Um, 
Our intention is not to get into the very details of the changes in projections at the current juncture because we, you know, we, we need to finalize everything, the assessment, and then to present it to the board. But just to give you a little bit of a perspective on, on where we are and how we are looking at things, uh, the minister mentioned that the the, the growth performance in the first half was of the order of uh, slightly north of 3% uh, growth. Um, and what we had in terms of projection for the year as a whole was 1.5%. So that gives you an idea of the difference in terms of what is actually happening on the ground and what the assumptions of the program uh, were. And so, yes, we will revise growth up for, for, for this year, uh, but the, I, I will come up with details and the exact number later in the, in, in the future. Um, George's questions about uh, recovery versus, versus stability, I think on, on recovery really the, the question is similar to that about you know, the, the one that I just answered about growth really. What we are seeing in terms of growth dynamics is, is, is you know, better than what we were anticipating. I think this is really very good news. On the stability front, on the stability front, I would say this is this is the same. Uh, inflation is coming down. Um, res international reserves of the central bank are going up, which is also very important to bolster confidence. Um, and so, we also have the adjustment, the fiscal position. The the, the minister mentioned uh, the numbers for end June uh, that are much better also than the than the targets. Um, the external position in general is, is stronger. The, the currency has become much less volatile than what Ghana has experienced at the end of last year, where you know it was very, a very, very challenging situation. So clearly, there is a, there is a turnaround, there is a, an improvement, and signs of uh, macroeconomic stability are now emerging. Again, this is not the end of the road. I mean, inflation is 40%. We want to see everyone, everyone in this room wants to see it much lower, but suddenly, uh, you know, we are coming from a position where inflation was at 54% at the end of last year. And so the, the, the traveling uh, direction is suddenly the, the right one and things are improving. A question about um, the LEAP program, but I think it's really a question of more generally about social, social interventions. And yes, social interventions and social policies are very important uh, for the government uh, and for, you know, the, the, the program. Um, and uh, the, the leap is a the leap is a key focus. But you will you will remember that in the program we have a, a target, a floor on social spending. And so the goal is really to make sure that the adjustment of the budgetary position is not done at the cost of or, or by raising costs for the most vulnerable in the society. And that target um, covers not just the the leap, which is a very important, uh, very effective, and very well-targeted program, but also for other a few other social programs, uh, including, for example, the school feeding program, which you will remember the, the benefits of which you will remember were doubled in the context of the 2023 budget. And so we are looking together with the government at uh, at, at all all of these important programs, and they are covered under the under the, the, the indicative targets uh, of, the, of the ECF. But generally speaking, I think it's not just about that target. It's also more, uh, you know, more broadly about interventions in the health and in the, in the education sector also. Not everything is included and covered in the, in the program, but there's also uh, you know, lots of um, 
the government is also making significant efforts in, 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 these, uh, in these sectors, and I think we have to acknowledge that as well. Maybe just just a reaction to the question on the the use of the fund. I think the, the minister can say much more. But of course, uh, IMS, IMF funding has two purposes in the current environment. One is to help the central bank rebuild its uh, reserve buffers, and the other one is to to help the government finance itself at a time when the situation is quite difficult, especially when when debt is being restructured. And so I think you have to think of it more from the macro angle as opposed to from a, an angle of IMF money financing specific programs. It's really about rebuilding reserves and allowing the government to function properly in general, not necessarily just for specific programs. On, uh, uh, external, um, on external creditors and the, the, what is needed from the IMF's perspective for us to be able to proceed with, uh, with the board meeting, um, we mentioned it several times. We refer to it in the press in the, in the press release. What is really needed at this stage is uh, uh, what we call financing assurances. The nature of those financing assurances, you will remember, at the time of the pro program approval, was a general uh, commitment uh, from uh, from the official creditors to provide relief consistent with the program parameters. We are now at the first review, and we need progress. And so we're moving from a general commitment to a specific credit. Uh, commitment on the on the terms, uh, specific terms of the debt restructuring. And so, what is needed at this stage is an agreement with between the government and the OCC on those uh, on those specific terms. For the external commercial creditors, uh, based on the IMF policies, uh, what is needed it remains the same than what was needed at the time of the program approval, and it's just making sure that there is progress and progress in, in the sense that the government continues to make good faith efforts with those uh, uh, external commercial creditors to reach um, uh, to achieve a debt restructuring agreement that will be also consistent with the program parameters. And then finally, I won't comment on, uh, on Afraxim because this is, uh, as you know, I think I have explained that, uh, <laughs> explained that several times. The role of the IMF is not to tell the government how to restructure the debt, but just to make sure that the, the debt restructuring strategy is consistent at the macro level with the, with the program. But it is very much a sovereign decision uh, to decide uh, which uh, part of the debt is included in the perimeter of the debt restructuring and how that debt will be will be restructured. So I won't comment on this. On the DSA itself, indeed, at each review, and this is the case systematically for all, um, for all uh, IMF-supported programs, the DSA, the numbers will be revised as we revise the macroeconomic framework. Uh, that means growth, inflation, exchange rate, all of, all of these will be chance likely to reflect the, the reality on the ground, and so the, the, the decimity analysis will also reflect that uh, revised microeconomic framework. I'm going to stop here. Thank you very much, Stefan. Um, um, great questions and, and for the conversation, and thank you very much um, for that. Um, I, I think the um, the challenge, you know, for all of us in this very difficult time is to um, be able to get to some equilibrium where we don't really take things for granted, you know, in terms of 
um, the lights being on, the amount of money we've spent um, in that sector um, to make sure that life um, goes on as, as interrupted uh, as possible. Um, and then, as um, Stefan mentioned, a keen eye on the social interventions um, to make sure that we index it and that we intervene um, at the right levels. So the indexation and 